You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. You have some impression of Christianity, and you think there's something unreal about it, because it's not dealing with the reality of life, and, you know, Christians seem so happy and so on, or hypocritical or whatever you want to say. But here, there is just absolute raw reality. Here, there is a man who is a believer in God and who is facing something that is very, very difficult. And I ask you, if, if you're not a Christian, how do you face those things that are really difficult? And I ask you, as we look at this, to consider how much better you would face them with God. But with God, you still have these issues. So here's the psalmist, uh, David, and he is uh, crying out to God, and he's crying out uh, really quite extraordinary, bold directness in prayer. He's basically saying, listen to me. Now, when do you say that to anybody? If you're in my position like a preacher, I'm saying right now, listen to me. You know, pay attention. You're a teacher. Listen to me. You're a parent. You say to your child, listen to me. But where else would you say that? When you're uh, addressing God? Why, why would you say, listen to me? Because you're absolutely desperate. Because it's not a command, but it is a plea. And because, like the psalmist here, he, is, he has real troubled thoughts. He says, I have troubled thoughts. Now, again, some of you are Christians, and maybe you're relatively new, and you think, well, I don't have troubled thoughts. My Christianity is okay. I'm doing well. I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. Love coming to church. Love my life. Everything's going great. Well, God bless you, and may you be prepared for when it's not like that. Because sometimes you will have troubled thoughts. And one of the most troubling thoughts you will have is, why am I having these thoughts? Why are these things occurring? There must be something wrong with me. I can't really be that much of a Christian. God must be punishing me. Maybe God's not there. You have the most awkward thoughts and awful thoughts. And he says, David says he has them because of the stares of the wicked. And uh, I'm reluctant with David Zadok here and Will being here and some of the rest of you who are Hebrew experts. Um, I'm reluctant to say what the original Hebrew says, but it does say this, and they will confirm it at some point or correct me afterwards, and I will be apologizing. But I'm told that the original Hebrew carries this idea of the stairs. It's pressure, pressure placed upon people. It's like the look that you get sometimes if you're a husband or a wife, and you're around the dinner table, and you're talking away, and you're just yakking a wee bit too much or something, and there's that look that only you know, but boy, that is as much pressure as if your arm was being twisted up your back, and you're being told, shut up, you know, or that, that you give to the kids, you know, the look as they're piling on the food from the plate, and uh, you have to give them the message, you know, um, FHB, family hold back. You know, and you're looking at them, giving them that FHB look. And make sure the guests get it first without actually having to say it. Well, here, it's this idea of a stare that is, creates enormous pressure. And he's got pressures from, as he says, from the voice of the enemy at the stairs of the wicked. They're bringing down suffering upon him. He's really struggling. And he goes on. 
My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. That's the Christian life. I thought it was, now I am happy all the day. I thought it was, I feel the deep love and the deep peace of Jesus. How do I have a heart which in the strongest of language is writhing in pain? It's as though you're in physical pain and you're bent over in in physical pain. But here, emotional. Here, mental. And he's saying, I I am writhing. I'm, I'm terrified. The horrors, the terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. You ever been that afraid? That you shake because you're so afraid? Have you ever had the horror and the blackness come upon you? And then, as a Christian, it's even worse because when that happens, you go, that shouldn't happen to me. I'm a believer. I've got Jesus. This is not right. Well, you're in good company because David and Paul and Jesus experienced all of this. Calvin says this, we are all good soldiers so long as things go well with us, but when brought to close combat, our weakness is apparent. It's dead easy to be a Christian when things are going well, when things are tough, when things are hard in every single way. Calvin is right. Then our weakness becomes apparent. And so what do we want? I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. Again, have you ever been in that position, or are you even in it now, that you you wake up in the morning and you think, I just don't want to go out and face these people. I can't even face my own family. I can't face my work. I can't face life. I just want to get away. It's interesting that we have this idea of holidays as being getting away. But some people get to that position where they just want to get away altogether, to get some rest, to get some shelter from the storm. I do think that the Rolling Stones' Gimme Shelter is, for those of us who are of a certain age, very indicative of of the late 1960s and early 1970s. I'm reading Keith Richards' autobiography just now, and um, he talks about how everything was going really great for the Stones until about 1968, and all the combination of the drugs, and they were kind of, you know, into free love and so on, and then it all went wrong. Murder at a concert, group falling apart, lots of troubles and difficulties. And he wrote a song, uh, the song Gimme Shelter, and it's a really, it's a kind of menacing song but a song for mercy and help as well. Oh, a storm is threatening my very life today. If I don't get some shelter, I'm going to fade away. The flood is threatening my very life today. Give me, give me shelter or I'll fade away. And I think there are a huge number of people in our world who need that shelter. And he uses this lovely idea. The psalmist uses this lovely idea of the dove. Why the dove? Because the dove is defenseless in the desert against the hawks. But it's fast. And all that it can do is speed away. And David is saying, I just want out of here. I just want to get away. I want to get away from this storm. I want to get away from this whirlwind. 
Well, we'll see why that is in a moment. We're going to sing these verses uh, just now. We're going to sing Psalm 55, verses 1 to 8. Um, we're going to sing it a cappella, and John is going to lead us, and the tune will be crimined. Oh God, please listen to my prayer. Do not ignore my plea. We come on now to verse 9, where he begins to list some of the um, pressures and difficulties that he is under. Confuse the wicked, O Lord, confound their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. Violence, strife, destructive forces. We maybe don't have these extremes. But imagine you're a Christian in Pakistan today and you watch the picture of the woman stoned to death outside a courtroom. Unbelievable. Or the woman in Sudan who's forced to give birth with her feet in shackles with a death sentence over her because she's a Christian and she refuses to return from her apostasy to Islam. Such horrendous violence. But there's violence in this city too. There are people last night who will have been beaten by their parents. There are women who will have been horrendously abused by their husbands. There are people, old people, who live in fear because of violence and destructiveness. There are people who maybe don't use physical force, but their words destroy all the time. And David was aware of that. He was aware of every time he built something up, it was being destroyed. He goes on. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were raising himself against me, I could hide from him. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship as we walked with the throng at the house of God. He prays that the wicked would be confused, that their communication would be confounded. And he sees that because he knows that within God's people, within the church, that happens. He knows that when there are splits and divisions, it creates so much harm and difficulty. And he talks about how he, he wants his enemies to be confounded and confused. It's like you see one of these films, monster films, you know, Godzilla. I was going to say go and see it, but don't. It's absolute rubbish. I don't know why I went to see it, honestly. All my street cred's gone out. But just because it was at the DCA doesn't mean it's going to be good. And anyway, but I'm not spoiling the plot of Godzilla when the, you see the monsters attack each other. Well, that's what David is praying here. He's saying, let them destroy themselves. Let them attack each other. But he also sees, and I think this is where his burden lies, that this happens within the church, that miscommunication, confusion, division, and enemies within. Why do you think Paul, when he met with the Ephesian elders on the beach, wept? Well, he tells us. Because he saw that from among their own number, people would arise who would be destructive because of the false teaching that they would bring. Calvin says this again, we are taught by the experience of David, as here represented to us, 
that we must expect to meet in this world with the secret treachery of friends as well as with undisguised persecution. Satan has assaulted the church with sword and open war, but he has also raised up domestic enemies to injure it with the more secret weapons of stratagem and fraud. That really is really hard when your enemies come from within. You know, like in your own family, you can kind of cope if your neighbor's a bit stroppy. And you can kind of cope if things aren't getting on too well at work. What's much, much harder to cope with is if the people who attack you are within your own household. And that's the same within the church. And so he cries out to God, constant prayer, let death take my enemies by surprise, let them go down alive to the grave, for evil finds lodging among them. But I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. He ransoms me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God who is enthroned forever will hear them and afflict them. Men who never change their ways and have no fear of God. And here is the key for the Christian under pressure. And it's a really important key. You're not a Christian, where do you go? You're under that kind of pressure, you can collapse. You can turn to drugs. You can turn to legal drugs, you can turn to illegal drugs. You can find some other alternative life. You can run away. But the Christian can't do that. The key is not to run away from the situation, but the key is to call God into the situation. This is a very, very, very bold prayer. Let death take my enemies by surprise. You can't criticize it unless you've gone through the same experience. It's not David, I think, being vindictive. Look what he says. He says, they are a lodging for evil. They are men who never change their ways and have no fear of God. And God, David is saying, for the glory of God, Lord, remove this evil. Remove this evil. We mourn, I think, over the death of every human being. But sometimes you can also rejoice. I'm sorry. But uh, when Adolf Hitler was taken away from this world, it's a a sorrowful thing that a human being dies. But was it better for this world? Yes, absolutely. And other people, the same thing. And that's what David's crying out. He's crying out that God would remove the evil. His prayer is persistent. It's morning, noon, and night. And he, he is really, really hurting. And here's why he's really hurting. My companion attacks his friend. He violates his covenant. His speech is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. The broken covenant, the broken fellowship. Os Guinness puts it beautifully. Does anything match the frustration we can feel with our fellow believers? Let me just stop there. Wake you up and say... Can you, if I was a, you know, a black Pentecostal preacher, I'd be saying, can I hear an amen? But I'm not going to do that. But seriously, have, those of you who are Christians, isn't it true that sometimes the people who most frustrate you are your fellow Christians? Oh, Guinness goes on. No doubt the problem is partly a projection of the frustration we feel with ourselves. And it probably means that people have the same problem with us. But sometimes that problem goes deeper than a pinprick of discomfort or frustration. For example, when the problem is not frustration, but pain 
caused by our fellow believers, it can itself become a cause of doubt. He gives the example of Peter Abelard, theologian in the 12th century, who was constantly attacked and slandered, and who wrote this once, often God knows I fall into such a state of despair that I thought of quitting the realm of Christendom and going over to the heathen, there to live a quiet Christian life among the enemies of Christ at the cost of what tribute was asked. And some of you will know what that is like. Sometimes you think, you know, I think I would just rather go and be a quiet Christian amongst non-Christians than have to put up with all the nonsense and rubbish that occurs amongst Christians. And notice here particularly what this one is. The words are soft and as smooth as butter. I'll tell you what those words are. Let's be united in the Lord. Let's pray together. Let's all love one another. Oh, but they were so gracious when they stood up and spoke. They were so gracious in how they spoke. Let me tell you this. You cannot be stabbed in the back with grace. If someone stabs you in the back with a snarl or someone snaps you in the back with a smile, it's the same thing. And it has the same effect. I'm just a little tired of Christians who say, well, these people were so gracious when they were ripping us apart. That's not gracious. I recall being at a prayer meeting where we split into groups and we were earnestly praying as we were urged for unity and the love we all had for one another. And yet, after that prayer meeting, there were those who went off and voted to remove somebody else who was at the prayer meeting from their manse and church. And I just, I remember being completely stunned and sickened by that. And I think what the psalmist is recognizing here, it's better to have plain speaking, simple speaking, than flattery and smooth words. It really is one of the most horrible things when you as a believer experience somebody who went with God's house to you ripping you apart graciously and gently, but it's as effective in destroying you as in any other way. It is a broken covenant. And David cries out to God, how did this happen? How, how is this possible? Lord, please stop it. And then he comes to the solution. And I just think this is just wonderful. What should you do? Now, that may not be your particular problem. Your problem may not be that you feel betrayed by other Christians. Your problem may be a heavy, heavy burden that you cannot unburden to anybody else. And this is what you should do. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. But you, O God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of corruption. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men will not live out half their days. But as for me, I trust in you. Now again, our Hebrew experts will correct me, but it's interesting that cast your cares is not a good translation. It is cast your giving onto the Lord. But we've translated it cast your cares because how does cast your giving make sense? Well, only in this, if you take it passively. It's not what you want to give, but what you want to be given. You're asking for God to provide for you, and you are totally perplexed. Why are you not giving me health? Why are you not giving me wholeness? Why why am I getting all, being given all these problems, and all these difficulties, and all these doubts, and all these fears? And the more I have them, 
The more I feel them, the deeper they seem to go. And what is being told here is, it's not even cast. It, it, it's this kind of this idea of pick up your givings, pick up all that you've been given, and throw it onto the back of the cart, throw it onto the Lord. Pray in a sure and certain confidence that God will supply all your needs, that He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Now, here's the interesting thing. What does He say that God will do? He doesn't say that God will remove your burden. This is really important. It's not that you take the burden off your shoulder and you say, here, Lord, it's yours, you carry it, and it's that, after that, that's no problem for you. Because I tell you what's wrong with saying that. One, I don't think it's biblical. But two, if you're burdened, you then think, well, I, I haven't cast my burdens on the Lord properly. I really must be, there must be something wrong with me. And you just added another burden. You've just poured petrol onto the fire. But instead, what the psalmist is saying is, I think it's really profound. He's saying, God may not remove the burden, but he will sustain you. He will help you. He will carry you. Above all, he won't let you fall. The wicked will be brought down. Oh, yes. That's, what, that's why he puts that there. They, they will be brought down. Johnny Cash, God's going to cut you down. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, but sooner or later, God will cut you down. And what's being said here is, to the believer who is incredibly burdened, who is ripped apart, who's not sure what's happening, who doesn't feel all this peace and love that other people are singing about, God is saying, throw it onto me, and I will sustain you. I will keep you in this. I will protect you. You will not be cut down. You will not fall. The paradox here is, if you're not a believer... Or if you're a believer who refuses to do that, I think you will be cut down. You're not going to go on forever. You're not going to live on in your own strength. You're not going to carry on without difficulties and problems. And I think it's a wonderful thing that we can go to God and we can say, I am afraid, I am trembling, I am confused, I am hurt. I am wounded, I've been betrayed, my head's in a mess, my heart's in a mess, my body's not healthy. Whatever it is, we can go to the Lord, and the Lord doesn't say, you're damaged, get out of here. Sometimes we like to speak of people as they're a very damaged person. I've got news for you. I am a damaged person, and so are you. Just some of us hide it a bit better than others. Maybe some are more damaged than others, but in God's eyes, all of us are damaged people. And when we come to God, he doesn't say, go away until it's sorted. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So you don't fly away to a monastery. You don't fly away up into the highlands. You don't fly away into another situation. You don't fly away from that broken marriage to another one. You don't fly away. What you do is you fly to Jesus. And there is something really quite extraordinary. Jesus knows what this psalm is. He experienced it. Luke 22, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up and a man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? 
What a nice, gracious, loving gesture. Jesus, let me kiss you. This is not somebody being angry at Jesus and shouting at Jesus. This is someone betraying Jesus with a kiss. I've seen it so many times. People who use all the holy language, all the sanctified talk, all the gracious, smooth as butter words, and they betray Jesus with a kiss. And Jesus knew what it was like to go through that. And why is that important? Because he is the dove. If I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away. But in the Old Testament sacrificial system, there was a dove that was sacrificed. And when Jesus was baptized, it was a dove that came down symbolizing the Holy Spirit. And instead of getting the wings of the dove, we get, if you like, the sacrifice of Jesus to cleanse us and to forgive us, and we get the dove, the Holy Spirit, to protect us and to cleanse us and to sustain us in the midst of the most fearful drought and the most fearful storm. Because verse 18 says this, he ransoms me unharmed. When we take this bread and this wine, we're saying his body was broken so that I would be healed. And his blood was poured out so that I would be forgiven. I am ransomed. I am healed. I am restored. I am forgiven. So you have a choice. All of you are going to face difficulties. Maybe some of you are facing them just now. And you can run away or you can counter ceaseless opposition by ceaseless prayer and trusting in the Lord. This verse is quoted in the New Testament, the psalm. Peter addressing, particularly the elders, telling them not to lord it over, the young men telling them not to be proud. He says this, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And by the way, he always will. If you're down just now, God will lift you up. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. We call communion a sacrament. In the old language, we call it a strengthening ordinance. When you take communion as a believer, Christ is feeding you. You are feeding on Christ. And he's strengthening you. And he's restoring you. And he's saying, here, I give you this. Give me. Give me what you have got. Give me what you're suffering with. The fear and the trembling and the confusion and the doubt and the darkness. Give it to me. I'm not waiting to receive all your good stuff. Give me that. And I give you my strength, my beauty, my light. It's a wonderful and a great exchange. And I urge you, if you are a believer and you're, you're being brutally honest with yourself and you're saying, you know this, I've let God down, I've sinned, um, but I've let God down in my mind, my doubts and my fears, or I, I even feel that God has let me down. I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm just not coping. Take the psalm 
and come to him and say, Lord, this is it. I can't cope. Take it. And such is the, the beauty and the love of Jesus Christ and the, the incredible grace of Jesus Christ that never, ever exhausts itself. That what he does, he says, yeah, that's mine. I'll take it. Here you go. I will feed you and I will strengthen you. God gives grace to the humble. Don't fake humility. Humility is just coming and saying, Lord, I can't, I can't handle this. And he's there for you. That's what he's doing just now, feeding you from his word, feeding you through the, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And again, those of you who are not believers, I, I, I have one simple question for you. How do you cope? I have no idea how you cope. How do you cope? I, I, I couldn't cope if I didn't have Christ. How do you cope? And if you're saying, well, I don't really, I'm saying to you, come to Jesus, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for its beauty, and thank you for all you have granted to us, and help us as we continue to feed upon what you give. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God. Visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.